Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Social Justice Podcast. This is Social Justice of the New American Revolution. My name is Mike. I'm here with Marie and our very special guest tonight, uh, Elizabeth August. Um, what's going on, Liz? How's it going, Michael? Hanging in there, buddy. How's it going, uh, Marie? How you doing? Good. I'm good. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, Liz, I lucked out. Uh, <laughs> You know we're friends outside of here, so I'm, I'm actually happy that you're that you're here. I've been blessed to watch you start your own business, and I think I think I worked for you at one point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe everybody ends up working for me, bro. <laughs> so before I, you know, take too much of it, like of the of the spotlight, I I, I kind of want to know like what was the motivation uh, behind starting your business? So I was a teacher for ten years in Framingham, Massachusetts, and. Uh, you know, I worked my whole life to get there. Like fourth grade, I was like, I'm going to be a teacher. So that was just kind of, that was the plan, you know, like, all right, so you're going to be a teacher. Great. Go to college. And then when you're done college, go to grad school and then become a teacher. And so I did. And so it found myself in the classroom. Actually, the day that Obama was elected, I oh. got to celebrate that with a whole school of kids. And it was so That's cool, awesome. especially... Oh man, especially in Framingham because it's such a high Brazilian population. So, you know, you just saw a whole bunch of kids of color just so psyched that mm -hmm. that that it happened. It was amazing. Um, and you know, I was just turning 22, so I was like, oh man, like everything's awesome. <laughs> I got yeah. here, I worked hard, um, you know, Obama's in, like it was oh, it was an amazing time. Um but what I realized was like, it wasn't all it cracked up to be. Um, I admire teachers. I mean, I was one, my husband was one. Um, they, I mean, they're doing some hard work, especially right now during the, you know, the pandemic with all most of this being distance learning and whatnot. And it just wasn't for me. Ultimately, I, I loved my kids. My kids were, were great, but there's just so much that teachers do and they're not rewarded for. And I knew I needed more. So I opened a business. I started off, I was organizing people's homes because I'm i I'm a neat freak and I like things tidy and I like helping people. So, you know, I opened up that business. I did that for five years. And then in November, uh, I realized that I could actually take it to a different level. So now I am a virtual assistant and an online business manager. And uh, I help female entrepreneurs to basically have more room in their lives. So, you know, instead of them writing all these emails or scheduling all these appointments or making all these phone calls or setting up systems for their business using websites and, and all of that, I, I take care of it so that they can do the part of their business that they like to do. And I do the part of the business that they don't like to do. And I get to stay home in my jammies and uh, not talk to people and uh, <laughs> not have to commute or deal with pandemics or <laughs> anything like that. So, you know, it's uh, <laughs> definitely, <laughs> it's definitely uh, not something I ever saw myself doing. I didn't, I didn't think I was going to do anything but teach and then retire, but you know, life is so different now. That sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna turn down envy just a little bit. Um, <laughs> so, in your own words, can you tell us the name of your company and uh, what? And you know, what I'm saying, it's like a little, can you expand a little bit on exactly um, how you help people get themselves organized? 
Yeah. So the name of my company is Simplify Simplify. And that comes from a Henry David Thoreau quote. Uh, he said, our lives are full, or sorry, our lives are frittered away by detail. Simplify, simplify. And, um, you know, all of my clientele are female entrepreneurs that have businesses that they love and they work so hard for, and they're all like hella creative. Like these women, the things they, they create are incredible. Um, but they get bogged down with the details. So, you know, I have three authors that are, are my clients and they just want to write. <laughs> like they just want to write the books that they are publishing, but they need websites and they need social media and they need all of these different things connecting. And that, that's not what they signed up for. They didn't sign up for those details. And so they find somebody to make it all work for them so that they have time to write. Um, so that's kind of, yeah, I have a lot of life coaches. Um, I have a physical therapist in Colorado and she's like, I just want to treat my patients. I don't want to deal with them paying me. I don't want to deal with them scheduling appointments. I just want to treat them. That's, that's what I'm here for. So, you know, I'm helping people, but really it's so that they have more time to do what they love and help other people. So yeah, it's awesome. nice. That, that sounds, that sounds great. Um, yeah, that's amazing. So, what what were some obstacles that you faced along the way? Uh, inner demons, inner demons. Um, you know, why did I throw away a really great salary? You know, they say they don't pay teachers a lot. I was getting paid pretty decent. Not gonna lie to you. Um, <laughs> you know, I threw away a, a big salary. I'm not gonna see that salary for a while. Um. I, I threw away benefits. I threw away like consistency and stability. Like, I don't know when my next client is coming. I hope she's coming. I, I, I like what I do and other people like what I do. And I've been riding hard since November when I made this big pivot and went from organizing people's houses to organizing their digital lives. But like, it's hard. You don't know, you don't know if you're going to make the money the next day. Um, so just kind of waking up every day and being like, nope, you got this. You can do this. You didn't make a big mistake. You didn't throw your four year college education away. You didn't throw your two year master's degree away. Like it wasn't a waste. It wasn't for nothing. You're still, you're still a good person, even though you didn't want to teach those kids anymore. <laughs> like you're, you're still, you're still valuable, even though you're not using your degrees, like lot of inner demons. I know like my parents were disappointed when I quit teaching because in their minds, they worked so hard to get me my education and they worked so hard to like get me to a point of stability. And so, you know, when I had my job and I got married and I bought a house and I had a baby, they were like, she's good. We don't have to worry about her. She's an adult. And we are good and we can just love her and like we are done we did what we set out to do and i was like hey guys guess what i'm quitting my job and they were like oh god no so <laughs> <laughs> you know i i kind of live with that guilt i know that they they trust me and they know i'm going to be all right but i kind of deal with you know the guilt of like oh god mom and dad are disappointed in me i threw, threw it all away i'm sorry guys so you know, just inner demons, but wow. that's really it. 
So Liz, and... I have to say, I sympathize with you a lot. Sorry, Mike, um, because I am a teacher. So a lot of the things that you, oh God, you feel, know. I feel, I know everything that you're saying 100%. So yeah. that's like, I yeah. admire you so much for taking the leap to leave the field and do something different because I feel like teaching is one of those careers where you like, you are programmed to do it your whole life and you have one track in college and then it's like, would you ever do anything else? You don't know. So You don't know. And I, I know so many teachers right now that are so stressed. And I mean, like I quit three and a half years ago. I didn't quit in the middle of a pandemic. Like y'all are stressed out and I can't even imagine what you're dealing with. Yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> I honestly can't even, I don't even know how I would teach right now. I have absolutely no idea. And so many old colleagues and friends are like, I want out, I want out. And I'm like, you'll get there. Like, if you really want out, you're going to get there. And there's a whole world out there. And that's not to say that teaching is invaluable. I mean, God, we need teachers. We will always need teachers. You can't replace them. Um, but it is different. It's different than I ever thought it was going to be. And it's different than it was when I was almost 22 and walked into that school and Obama was elected and everybody was excited. Like things are just different than I thought. Totally. So, but there's teachers that love it and are so good at it. And I would never imagine <laughs> anything else for them. Right. So, you know, you just bottom line, what I've learned is you got to find the thing that makes you happy. Cause if you're waking up every single day and you are pissed off at the world, like there's just no point in doing it. Agreed. So. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Um, and thank you for that, both of y'all, because I'd be forgetting. I be forgetting sometimes, Marie, that you're that you're in this, and we've actually commiserated about like what that looks like being work, working through the pandemic, uh, crazy. and being what they call essential workers. Oh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole other episode. We don't have time for that today. <laughs> I'm gonna please mark that down. We got to talk about that. To one. be Let's continued. Yes. Um, so Liz, I hear, I hear, I hear about those particular demons and struggles. What kept you from giving up? Um, I think it was just that idea of, I, I mean, I could always go back to teaching. I, I still have my degrees. I'm still certified. Um, I could always go back, but I feel like there's more skin in the game now that I own my own business than there was when I was teaching. Like with teaching, you just kind of get comfy. You're like, I made it. I got tenure. Tenure doesn't really exist so much in mass. Um, but, you know, once you get through like three years, you're pretty good. You're set for life. Right. Um, you know, don't don't hit a kid. <laughs> and don't, um, you know. Curse out your parents. <laughs> right, don't curse out a parent in an email. Don't be sitting there reading the newspaper when you're supposed to be teaching. And you're, you're, pre you're pretty good. Like you're going to be all right. Um, you sound like my boss. <laughs> but like, you know, it was comfy and every day is a hustle. Now I got a hustle every day. And, you know, last summer was rough for us. We were doing bad financially, just things, you know, money was tight. I was driving for Instacart and my husband was driving Uber at night and we've got a three-year-old and, you know, we... I've been privileged my whole life. You know, your listeners don't know. I'm a, I'm a white woman. I'm, I grew up in a very high socioeconomic bracket in the middle of suburbia and I'm privileged. And it was the first time where I was like, huh, well, we really got a bust, butt. like we got to make this happen. And so I think when you, when you're all in, you, you, 
you realize like, I got to do this thing. So, and it's not just me. Like I have a husband, I got a kid. So you got to hustle. Yeah. Facts. Kids will definitely change your perspective on that one. <laughs> oh, yes, they will. Yes, they will. Well, I, I think you guys are doing an excellent job by that little three-year-old, by the way. Well, you're not uh, biased at all there, Godfather. You're not biased at uh, all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, oh, I didn't know right. like you're the Godfather. That's cute. He's the Godfather. That's my little niece. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. She loves you. Uh, so, <laughs> Super cute. Liz, I'm glad that you started talking a little bit about your privilege, and I appreciate you being so open and candid about it. Um, totally. I... I, I I told you, like, you know, I'm glad that, and also glad you kind of, like, talked about our personal relationship. I'm, yeah, we, we are friends for a really long time, and I'm, and I'm blessed to be a part of your life. And, I'm, and, I'm, and, I, and I feel blessed that y'all are part of mine. Um, so I consider you and your husband, uh, before, I, before, before the term started getting coined and phrased, like, as, it, as it's been, allies. Specifically yes. allies to people of color. Um, and specifically, I mean, not just specifically to people of color. You guys are allies to any marginalized community in this country. And I appreciate the yep. I, I, to know like you guys are really amazing people to me for that. Um, we That's just recently, true. as you know, uh, lost um, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, to yeah, uh, RBG. Yes, the notorious RBG. Um, notorious. I, <laughs> I have my views. Don't get me twisted. Like I, I respect yeah. her work for women's rights, and I respect her work for um, for, for uh, what's it called for for uh, for for civil rights in general. Um, but I recognize also with the, we talked a little, we we breezed about it by about it, and we we kind of like talked a little bit about it before we started recording. In this particular political uh, political climate. Uh, I guess I'm asking what what does the death of RBG mean with this political climate and this election? So with the upcoming election and RBG, you know, I currently Trump is pushing a new justice before the election even happens. So right. I don't know that RBG's passing is going to mean anything for the upcoming election. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, it will, but also like he's already pushing to fill that seat. So I don't I don't think it's that big of a deal for the upcoming election. But I think that the only thing we can hope for as Republicans rush to fill her seat is that this is one more piece of evidence to show the hypocrisy of many Republicans. And I'm not going to say all Republicans because I've got Republicans in my family and it is what it is. But a lot of Republicans, many Republicans, there is a lot of hypocrisy. And, you know, when Justice Scalia died, Obama tried to fill his seat during an election year. And it became this huge thing during which time Senate Republicans said, well, he shouldn't be allowed to do that. And they didn't let him do it in the end. And now they are abandoning every promise they made because it works out best for their own party. So, you know, while RBG's death, I don't think is really affecting the presidential election, I just hope that it shows people that you you just can't trust the Republican Party right now. You can't trust it because, it, like, they're not even being true. Point. 
they're not even being true to their own word. Like there, there's videotaped Republican senators saying, mm-hmm. "Mark my words, this should not be allowed." Yeah, like he, he was like, "Show this video to me." Yeah, <laughs> use use my words against me. Use or, my or words against. Okay, Lindsey Graham, I'm going to use them against you right now. What What's different? Nothing is different. So I don't know. It, it's just considering that Trump is barely holding off on his announcement of the people he's chosen until Ruth's services are over. Like that to me shows he just does not care. He can't even, he can barely hold it in. I honest to God think like <laughs> the day that they raise the, the flags back up from half staff, like the day that they consider like this is the end of the bereavement period for RBG, he's going to be like, by the way, here's my choices. So, no, so I heard, I heard um, yesterday on the radio that I think that he was going to be announcing a nominee this weekend. I yeah, think Saturday, Saturday at 5 p.m. And it's supposed to be a woman. That's what he said. Yeah. So who? I think, oh. I, he's got. Can you imagine? I think there's a few people that they're like, that people are like, okay, it's probably going to be one of these. I haven't looked too much into it. Um, all I know is if, briefly he, as we speak. if he's recommending them, I just can't. I just can't. Sorry. I kind of wanted you to. I kind of wanted you to follow up the with that actually that that sec uh, that question I just asked Liz about um, how you feel like the death of RBG might affect the upcoming election and and just like society like American society currently. Me, uh, Marie. Yeah, you, Marie. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Um, <laughs> well, it's interesting that you say. Liz, that the Republican Party is not to be trusted right now. So that's an interesting point, right? So because of everything that you said with the senators and the videos from 2016 and the reports when they blocked Obama's nominee in an election year, citing the reason that it was an election year. (laughs) And so now all of a sudden, (laughs) here we are again. Oh, but wait, it's um, it's okay Republican because it's, it's a Republican now. nominee. <laughs> and I believe I read something recently that Mitch McConnell was quoted saying that there was a disagreement in 2016 because Obama's nominee um, was a Democrat and it was the Democrat versus Republicans. Now that the parties are alike and the nominee would be alike, there wouldn't be a conflict now. Like he literally said that. So the fact that he holds this idea of the Republican Party in such a high regard is just very Mm -hmm. almost delusional to me because what are the ideals that you're basing your Supreme Court justice on for that makes decisions for the entire country? Like the reasoning and the logic behind (laughs) any of their decision making is just so, I just cannot understand it. And I just don't understand how it's just very scary to think about what could happen. And if they're able to push a nominee through before the election, I'm just really worried about what's to come. Like, hand, Handmaid's Tale just keeps popping up in my head. Oh, girl, Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> Handmaid's Tale, uh, first of all, is an incredible book and even better show. I mean, I loved the book, but the show is phenomenal. Um, it's not that far away. This is this is the reality that you face when you start 
stacking the Supreme Court in one direction. Um, so I, I, so, okay. Like, I'm just not comfortable <laughs> with him getting a third seat on the Supreme Court. He's already got two justices. Word. Like, just be satisfied. Right. And Brett Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh is a monster. Like, everything that happened with Brett Kavanaugh and what was the name of the woman who came forward? Christy? I forget, oh, there, well, I forget her name completely and I feel terrible. But Me yes, too. I followed it. Um, um, but that whole that whole thing, how they just like tore her apart, and he seems like a monster, and he's sitting in there making doing God knows what for women's rights, right? Um, and then the, like so, then he has those two, and now he said like the his next nominee will supposedly be a woman, and me. This goes with my. This is probably like a biased opinion in my, and for my own personal things, but. Because I don't really understand how a woman who has feminist views or strong, empowering, independent woman views can truly support Trump. So the type of woman that Trump would nominate as a Supreme Court justice, like what is what does she look like? What are what is she about? Like that's really kind of confusing to me. (laughs) Well, facts. Oh God. So. You know, like let's just consider the, the the woman that she looks like is every woman that voted for Trump. It's every woman that's showing up at Trump rallies, carrying signs, women for Trump. Mm-hmm. And mega, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's you know it's the women that that called the cop on a bird watch, watch watcher in what was that Central Park. Yeah. And you know, those it's, it's women I grew up with. It's women in my family that um, it's okay to love people and respect people and care about Republicans. It's 100% okay because I do it every day because I have family members that are Republicans. Um, It's, it's what, what bothers me is when you only educate yourself on one side and yes. you don't bother to do your research yes. anywhere in the middle or even yes. on the other side. And I'm, I mean, I, you will have to nail me to my chair to make me watch Fox. I'm sorry. Um, I can't, I can't. Um, I have to for work. I have a client that appears on Fox um, as a democratic voice. Um, and so that's why I watch Fox is when my client appears on it. Um, otherwise I have tried and it's just, it's super infuriating to me. Um, so, you know, that's on me, that's, that's on me to swallow my, my judgment and try to see how the other half lives. Um, but what I'm finding from a lot of Trump supporters and, you know, we were talking specifically about women who he would nominate and women who show up at his rally is holding women for Trump signs. I'm just finding that they are, they're getting stuck in uh, my family has always been Republican. So I have to vote Republican. You know, your vote is not your party. It, it, yeah, I know it's okay to change your mind. It's okay to, it's okay to change your mind. And I don't think enough people are doing it. And I, I just wish that they would consider for a minute. Um, Agreed. 
but his nominees tend to be like very devout. I think like one's like a really devout Catholic. Um, I, they, I think that like one's from Florida, which tends to be super Republican. Um, I, you know, I haven't really done enough research into them, but I can just kind of lump them into that type of woman. And I hate doing it because, you know, I don't want someone to lump me into anything. Right. But, you know, my bottom line is I wouldn't be speaking like this if this was Bush, if this was any other Republican. I yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. be, I wouldn't talk like this, but exactly. my, my biggest problem with Trump has always been that he is not the typical president and he is inciting people. Absolutely. He has made the Republican party like a cult. Uh-huh. And I just am not here for people that are just genuinely mean spirited. And that's right. what he's proven to incite. And hateful and divisive. Yes. Yes. yes, I totally agree 200%. I mean, I was <laughs> I was on Facebook trying to sell a lamp. You know how you can like list stuff for sale on Facebook? And there's a local group, Worcester Craigslist Facebook group. And I woke up today and they changed their banner to Joe and the Ho. Oh my gosh. I'm, wow. I'm like I'm like this is a this is a group to sell stuff. What why are we getting political in a group to sell stuff? What and so is, disrespectful too. And it's so disrespectful and it's it's unnecessary. It's unnecessary. And I just, I don't know. I it's like this is just the stuff that that I feel his his little followers and groupies kind of this is the direction they're going. It's no longer this is my candidate and this is your candidate. This is just inciting terrible behavior so i got another question for the both of you two and uh it's it's not necessarily on um on the uh, list but it just kind of popped up in my head um much of this stuff that trump is doing do y'all think is intentional versus maybe he's just that much of an an idiot That's the million dollar question, isn't it? And it's been that, like, I've been wondering this for four years. <laughs> yes. For four years, I've honestly woken up every day and I'm like, are we on pumped? Where is, is this still happening? I would like to know where the cameras are because uh, Ashton has to be punking all of us. <laughs> I, and I don't, I mean, he is, Trump is either a complete idiot Mm-hmm. Or he is a genius. Yes, an evil like genius. Like an evil genius. And mm-hmm. I think history will show us, um, mm-hmm. which is terrifying mm-hmm. because we're living it now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he he is, he's owning social media and all media mm-hmm. um, in a way that presidents have never done before, mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. And and so in that way, okay, great. There's one good thing you did, Trump. Congrats. <laughs> good on you. But I like you couldn't use your social media maybe for some nice things. I just I can't. I yeah. don't know. I can't figure that out either. And I think that like scares me more than anything. Like I really can't figure out if he's 
like you said, truly just an idiot or an evil genius. And, um, but just the way that he portrays himself and the, the lack of intelligence he portrays and the lack of sophistication and the lack of a noble collective leader that our country really needs, regardless of yeah. how you felt about Bush or Obama, when they spoke to the country, it just felt like, okay, like you may not like their views, you may not like what they do, but right. they, I'd take that Bush. was- I'd take Bush right now. I'd be like, hey buddy, bring me in <laughs> for the real thing. Let's have like, a hug. That was your leader. Sidebar, all of the memes that- um, <laughs> He that, made up Like words. when that came out about Bush, they were like, he's like popping out from a wall saying like, hey guys, miss me yes. You missed me yet? Yes, yes, yes I do. So yes, I'm not I the do. worst president in history anymore? No, you're you're totally fine, honey. We'll take you back right now. Please. I'll do four years of you. I don't care. We didn't know I'll how to be had it, should we? I'll do eight more. I'll do eight more years of you, Bush. I don't care. Come no. on in. Like, it's fine. Oh. You can make up as many words as you want, honey, because they're way better than Trump's words. It's fine. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I yeah. I can't, I just, just can't sure believe enough. that he's really our leader. Like this is the leader of our country. Like that's it's just so embarrassing and disgraceful. We've been saying that for so four circling years. Back, <laughs> circling back to RBG to, to Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yes, because she does deserve um, that episode. <laughs> um, I got two questions. The first one I'll ask, and it's, it's going to be out of uh, uh out of sequence. Uh. Do you believe that RBG was a true ally for communities of, uh, or for people of color? So this is the only question that I'm, I'm like a little iffy on. I don't like when people don't do their homework, um, but I, but I, and I also fully admit when I don't do mine. So I am not a person of color. Um, and that doesn't mean that I just don't do the homework on on how things affect people of color. It just means that I I kind of have it. I don't want to say harder because that's ridiculous, but you know I have to really look. I have to really try to like put myself into somebody else's spot. Um, I I actually don't really know what RBG's allyship looked like for people of color. Um, I can tell you that she was super progressive. And so I immediately want to be like, sure, I'm sure that I'm sure she stood up for people of color all the time. I know also like LGBTQ community, but I, I haven't done a deep dive into the cases that she, that she dealt with and the ways that she, um, stood up for them. I know more well, about female like empowerment, women empowerment, and the stuff that she stood up for that. So, well, I don't um, have a problem with yeah. speaking up about a little bit about that for just for our listeners' sake, because I, yeah. I agree with you, and you know, I feel like all of us could 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 benefit from a little bit of knowledge. I took the time to put some notes together, and we have oh. that. Um, Mike did his homework. Good, good. <laughs> I Mike did a little homework. His homework. I, 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 I don't actually, and I got teachers that probably listen to tell you differently, Marie. Uh, <laughs> Ruth Bader Ginsburg graduated from Columbia Law School. Uh, yeah. She was going to, uh, she, she went on to be a courtroom advocate for fair treatment of women working with the ACLU Women's Rights Project. Uh, she mm -hmm. was appointed by President Jimmy Carter uh, to the Court of Appeals in 1980 and 
supported to the Supreme Court by President Clinton in 93. And uh, she's been a feminine icon. Uh, she did graduate from Columbia, as I said. She wanted to erase the functional difference between men and women in society. There should mm -hmm. be no such thing as women's work or men's work. Uh, she was an advocate for fair treatment of women and working uh, with the ACLU Women's Rights Project. Uh, she was a lawyer, like, like you know, uh, she, one of the cases that she happened to work on was back in 1972 for a cat named uh, Stephen Weisenfeld. Yeah. Weisenfeld. Uh, yeah. And his wife, Paula Weisenfeld Polaschek, died during childbirth from an am, am, uh, uh, amniotic uh, embolism. Yes. Uh, Weisenfeld worked too much and wanted to be uh, homeward to take care of his son, uh, who was an infant at the time. At, at this time, though, only widows were eligible for Social Security payments and not widowers. Uh, so RBG argued that this law carried the stereotype assumption of gender roles between men and women in the family dynamic. The stereotype, of course, is unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. uh, so 73 would be, uh, would be when she won that case and set the mm -hmm. stage for courts approving juris jurisprudence uh, of sex equality. Right. You know? Yep. Uh, and like, and she, she grew up in Brooklyn. Uh, yep. Lower middle class. She was a twirler in high school. Her mom died the night before she graduated. From high yes. School. Yeah. Uh, she didn't even she, make it to graduation. Uh, she went to Cornell and met her husband in uh, where Cornell is where she met her husband, Martin Ginsburg. Um, they had a daughter named Jane. Um, Martin got sick while they were in law school, and a, a year after their baby was born. And mm -hmm. uh, while in school, Ruth helped him study and took notes for him so he could graduate. Mm -hmm. uh, so after that, she spent some time out in Europe where she, uh, where the women there that she spent uh, time with, uh, they didn't seem to be to have to choose between their career and their family. They did both. And this inspired pretty much the majority of uh, Ms. Ginsburg's work, uh, Mrs. Gin yeah, Mrs. Ginsburg's work in uh, gender equality and women's rights. Um, so I feel like when it comes to gender equality and women's rights, those naturally kind of fall in yes. line with, with uh, civil rights and the civil rights movement and, and everything that kind of like, you know, making sure that, you know, there, there's some sort of semblance of equality where it counts specifically mm -hmm. in the courtroom. Um, it happened also here that she didn't necessarily take a favorable take, uh, have a favorable take of uh, Colin Kaepernick's kneeling protest at the time. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, is and this is something I'm glad we could talk about too. And I kind of want to put that out there. Even the best people sometimes yeah. aren't always thinking the right way. Or Liz, as That's you said, right. it's, it's it's very hard for us to to change our minds on things when we feel like we totally. are right about something, mm -hmm. or, or or our ego won't let us let things go. In fact, that that happened last night in a in an episode I was recording with my with my with my homie where um, we both ended up getting like loud with each other, what we normally don't do ever. Yep. And uh, it was all over the fact that, you know, I, um, none of us, anybody on that podcast last night, but specifically me, I, I was struggling with like, you know what I'm saying, really um, being more open-minded and not so cynical to the, to, the, to, the, to the different steps that are necessary to take to go in hand to hand with protest and 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 just like having general topics, like uh, in in general pushing forward, like you know what civil rights will look like. Right. Um, well. Mm -hmm. So sorry, Mike. I'm going to bring it back to. Go for it. 
to RBG. So here's the thing, like, you know, was she a true ally for communities of people of color? So again, like, I can't say much because again, didn't do the research on specifically the people of color piece. I did a lot of research on RBG just because I love the girl um, uh, in other regards. Um, and also I'm not, I'm not a person of color. So, you know, if I heard, if I heard that RBG helped pass a law that seemed to benefit a black woman, I'd be like, that's awesome. Yes, right. girl. Like, thank you. I'm glad that law passed. Yes. But then a black woman could tell me in a conversation like this, that actually that law didn't benefit her at all. Right. And then she could give me mm -hmm. specifics. She could be like, well, actually, no, this is what that law really did for me and people that look like me. And the fact is, I don't have that black woman's perspective. So what Absolutely. I'm reading in a case study of RBG's law number, blah, 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 that affects black women, that, you know, I'm going to read it on paper as a white woman. And then when I'm speaking to a black woman and she's telling me her perspective, I, you know, I can't do anything except listen and learn and hope and work towards better. So, right. you know, Most when I hear that RBG wasn't a fan of Colin kneeling, I, I think about some of the heroes in my life. My grandfather was a cop and he was my grandpa and he's one of my heroes. But, you know, I heard him say some things that I didn't love about people that I thought was disrespectful. And, you know, how much of it is, is RBG's generation? You know, she, she's looking at a young whippersnapper that's kneeling during the national anthem, right? I, maybe she's not looking at the mm. fact that he's black and that he's making a statement. Maybe she's just like, mm, kind of disrespectful, whether he's white or black. And I'm not gonna make excuses for her because we all know what Colin's doing, but, Absolutely. you know, at the end of the day, everybody's human. And mm -hmm. based on the generation that she was brought up in and her old exactly. school value. That's right. Yeah. So and I agree I, with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I hope she supported people of color and I would be shocked if she voted adamantly opposed to something that would benefit communities of color. Um, I would be totally shocked if she was like, no, nah, we're not going to do that. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, I, I I don't know if she was all gung-ho on every single thing that might have affected them. Well, I'm asking you because I'm going to be asking multiple people. Uh, we're going to be just following up as well as uh, the month concludes with different folks and just getting their perspective on RBG. And so we'll be yeah. speaking with uh, some women of color as well. But you're absolutely right. And I kind of wanted to use that point to just to point out that the people that we look up to sometimes, whether we, whether they, excuse me, whether we want them to or not, um, like or like they'll 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 exemplify certain ideals or certain um, thoughts that we don't necessarily completely agree with. Yeah, I feel like there's this unspoken kind of like inf uh, narrative out there that tells people that you're supposed to completely agree wholeheartedly with um, somebody that you look up to. Or, or, or value. Now, I'm not saying that, like, you know what I'm saying, turn it into, like, the whole, well, does that mean that I can look up to Hitler? Like, no, no, that's not what I'm saying here. No. But I'm saying that 
our heroes are flawed. Like, um, I can I can tell you issues with um certain heroes that I that I look up to. Like, you know, certain people that I think are are amazing people. Like, um, you know, I think Jimi Hendrix is an amazing guitar player, and 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 I I am in awe every time I listen to that man plays uh, his guitar and do, and do his thing. I'm also yeah, aware that he was a heavy psychedelic drug user, mm-hmm. and while he spoke for a lot of important things and stuff, yo, he was freaked out of his mind a lot of the time he right? did his thing. Well, how about our RPG. favorite, Mike? What about Michael mm. Michael Jackson right there, bud? He's our fave. Oh, bro. Like, I yeah. talk about it all the time. Like, I had a conversation about it, like, like, a, like, a couple of months ago, worried about, like, I do like Michael Jackson, but, man, if he, like, that many boys is not making up the same story that for this No, for this exactly. Long, yeah. For the, you there's know too saying? much and evidence. Yeah. <laughs> there's way too much evidence and there's way too many people saying the same thing. Somebody not break up my heart. It, and it's, it is, it's one of like a diehard MJ fan. I've oh, always cool. been. So yeah. it's just love. It's so sad. And at the end so of the day, this, you gotta you have to separate, right? And in this actually, we can bring this back to Ruth, but you have to right. separate the human of everyone and the hero. So Ugh, and I guess if we're going to bring it Very back well to Ruth, said. we got to bring it back to freaking Trump, too. All right. So here we go, guys. No, so, again, I, rem- I, did, I, did, I specifically I specifically called out Hitler because. No, it's like, true. You can, well, first there are some of all. folks out there to be like, well, Hitler, you got to admit, Hitler has to be. Like, I, don't, I don't know if I have it in me to humanize Hitler at all. I'll. I'll <laughs> we. Oh. I mean, we I can honestly say a that, great yes. uncle that died like, in a concentration camp. So I don't, I don't know how much I can humanize Hitler, but sure. I'll at least, I'll at least be there a little bit for for Trump in the like the tiniest sliver of a way. But I don't know about Hitler. All right, so let's just go. We'll go back. Yeah. All right, so we'll go back. Michael Jackson. You know, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Amazing choreographer, amazing dancer, amazing performer, amazing singer. Mm-hmm. Um, did actually a lot of good for foundations and donations mm-hmm. and everything mm-hmm. else. And then there's the whole fact of, of children being molested. So, okay, there's our heroes dying in front of us, right? Yeah. Ruth was just a woman, just a human at the end of the day. And actually I was watching a documentary of her granddaughter, who's a little bit younger than us. And she's like, that's my Bubby. And I'm like, yeah, that's that girl's Bubby. Like, mm-hmm. that's not Ruth Bader Ginsburg. That's her right. grandmother. Like, right. yeah, she's a woman. She's a, mm-hmm. a human at the end of the day. And like, God, how much crap did she deal with? Like, for your last words to wish that your job would be handled. I just, you know, like, let's not forget that she, to her dying breath, was taking care of her job. Like, that's insanity, right? She chose not to retire and spend the time with her family. She chose not to take care of herself during cancer, which is one of the most trying things that anyone can go through. And she chose to fight until the very bitter end because she knew how much our equal rights were in jeopardy. Yeah. Oh, and so when we when we just remember that our heroes are humans, all right. So then we have to also humanize Trump. And I hate this, 
but we do because he is a human. It hurts because I just want to be mad, but you know, he is a human at the end of the day. And so I don't know. It's, it's really hard to dissect a person's whole life, especially someone as good as Ruth Bader Ginsburg. It's really tough to be like, was she a true ally? How do you weigh one person's allyship next to another person's allyship? Right. So like to me, being an ally, that means that to me, like, I don't know what it means to anybody else, but like, to me, it means that like, I can't always understand how a person is being oppressed, but I'm going to take their oppression on as my struggle. So I'm not a person of color, but Mike is my family and Mike is a black man. And so I'm going to take on his oppression. Um, you know, I'm not from a low socioeconomic family, but a lot of my friends and family members are. So I'm going to take that on as my struggle. Um, yeah, I didn't pay for college. I'm privileged. I'm, I'm a white girl sitting in a really nice house. I worked my ass off to get the things that I have, but I had a real big step up compared to a lot of other people. And I own that. And I'm going to use that to help other people. And that is what being an ally for, is for me, because what an ally isn't is if I'm just sitting in this comfortable house and not admitting that I'm privileged and not admitting that I've got a leg, I got like 12 legs up on a lot of other people. Um, that's, that's not using your privilege in the right way. And that's not allyship. At the end of the day, I care about my fellow human beings and I want others to care about me. And like, I, like, I, I don't know if it was Dr. Fauci. I don't know who said this, but like, how do I explain to you to care about other people? How do I do that? Right. <laughs> yes. I think it was Fauci. Yeah. It's like, I, I, I get frustrated when I have to explain to somebody that you should just freaking care. You should just care about another human being. And so, yeah, that means that I have to care about Trump a little bit, even though I don't want to. Yeah. I mean, so I feel like for you and um, first of all, that was beautifully said. That was well said. And I appreciate you to, to know and, you know, um, but uh, no, no, but um, you like you, you, you really succinctly put like what allyship kind of is and necessarily kind of my view of it and I don't and you know I, again you guys were practicing it before it was popular to practice it we, we've had real conversations we're the OG allies and, yes and I appreciated that <laughs> uh, as long as I've known y'all and um, it's hard for me as a, a person of color to be like you know there are spaces around where I, like uh, there are very few but I can I can honestly I'm happy to be able to say that I can name spaces where I'm like, where I am the like the literal minority, or I might even be the only black dude in the room, but y'all made me feel comfortable enough to be, to be okay with that and not worry about it from any other perspective than just being there. And that's I'm glad, a pleasure. glad that was the case. It's, but, I um, mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, for us, like for me, I, I personally, I just, as much as I want to be able to humanize certain people, I feel like not everybody is worth a worthy of such. Because I do see people like Colin Kaepernick, and honestly, I do see people like RBG. She may not have been like, you know, Jane Lynch or nothing, but RBG did a lot more for equality and human rights than a lot of people who look like her have done for us, especially in her um, line of work. 
So I will say yes to that, especially that. her generation. Facts, especially her generation. So I would, I would, I would be doing her a disservice if I didn't, you know, what I'm saying, acknowledge that. And you know, but I also would be doing my people a disservice. So I didn't also acknowledge where she, where she struggled. In my opinion, there was an opportunity for her to, um, you know, to be better. And that's all of us. And those are people that are worth it. Those are the people that are actually trying to, like you said, Liz, actually genuinely care about other people. Yeah. Um, you got people like who honestly are more about service and, and, mm-hmm. and doing things themselves, themselves and help people that are like them and, you know, main power. It's all, it's all serving um, work and also serving, um, you know, like, uh, no, so I can't give that same, um, like, I can't give that Trump that same humanizing, um, right. trait that I would other people because like, he's added, like, he's, literally aligned himself in such a way that I recognize now that my very life is in danger while he's in office. Yes. And well, the you people know, I care about are in danger because he's in office. Something else that's coming up for me is we were saying a little bit ago that Trump is not your average president, right? So like, and follow me on this for a minute. So I'm thinking Ruth had to play by a lot of rules. Okay, like you don't get to the Supreme Court by being a Trump. <laughs> right. I mean, I still I don't know how he became president being Trump. I still whatever. don't either. I still don't know how that happened. I mean, I'm hoping it's just a fluke in our insane history and one day we'll just all laugh about this. But I uh I think that Ruth had to play by a lot of rules so that she could bend rules. Okay, follow me on that for a second. And so, you know, maybe, and we can't mind read, we don't know what she was really all about, but maybe she even, and again, I don't know what she did for people of color, but it's possible that, uh, you know, something would come across her desk and she would want to say, yes, let's do this. And then at the end of the day, it wasn't possible to do. And so she probably had to give a little to get a little. So that makes sense. Right? So I feel like A, I haven't done enough research into what she's done for people of color, but I would like to think, given her track record and her history, that she probably was a true ally in that regard. And that even if it didn't come through with any laws that were passed or anything like that, it might just be because that's the checks and balances system. And, you know, maybe just leave it at that. And I also think it goes to say like how people show up as being allies. So I, again, I can only speak for myself, but like my current, lifestyle right now with a three-year-old that's probably going to bang into this office in a second (laughs) my the way that I'm an ally is like I'm just making Facebook posts I just got a big mouth (laughs) and I don't have a lot of money but we like to donate when we can right so I'm kind of hoping that my Facebook soapbox and my wallet I'm hoping that's better than nothing And, you know, that's how I show up as an ally. And then I see a lot of my white female peers not saying anything. And that really bugs me because it's like, hey, guys, like, you're why we got here. 
Thanks a lot. Um, and so all I can hope for is that my, my ally-ness, my allyship, whatever we're calling it, I'm just hoping it's enough. So I'm thinking, you know, like Mike, you're out there actually on the street protesting. I wish that I was on the street protesting, but I've got a kid and I can't go out and, you know, take the risk of being in the wrong place in the wrong time and, and getting, you know, tased or smoke bombed or break a leg or, oh, I don't know, get shot um, or get COVID and then come home and give it to my three-year-old. So I would love to be out there marching. I just, I, I, I don't feel that's my best use of my allyship right now. Um, well so, so, yeah, I just think, I don't know. I think, you know, ally is a super general word. And people show up in a lot of different ways. And I just, because mm-hmm. I love RBG, I want, I want to just think that she always showed up. <laughs> but, you know, we won't, unless we actually looked at every single case that came across her desk for, oh my God, how many decades was she there? Um, you know, unless we did that. Yeah. Was it two, three? Yeah. I, I want to say three. Yeah. Right. So like how you'd have to comb through every case and be like, mm, well, this one time she didn't stick up for that black guy. So I don't know. So with all of that said, I just want to make sure that we are paying homage to the great woman that RBG truly was and all of the hard work that she put in while dealing with the current circumstances at the time. So let's go back to the part in Mike's bio where he said that she took care of her husband while he was sick. So as a new mom myself, I just recently went back to work and it's a huge adjustment dealing with your full-time job and coming home to your family and managing the household. It's a lot to take on. It's a huge adjustment. So now thinking about what RBG did, so she had her daughter, her daughter was a year old, taking care of your daughter, that's full-time job number one. Now, her husband has cancer, and if you've ever known anybody who had cancer before, as a caregiver for someone with cancer, that is another completely full-time job. So, she's dealing with those two things, being a single parent while her husband has cancer. Now, she's taking on his law school load and making sure that he doesn't fall behind. So dealing with law school for yourself is one thing. Taking it on for someone else is a completely different thing. So now she's juggling all of those three things in addition to completing her own work. Like, I can't even wrap my head around how that would even work or what that would even look like. The amount of stress and exhaustion that she must have been feeling and the immense pressure that she was under is just so overwhelming to me and it just makes me admire her so much more for her dedication to working hard towards women's rights simply for the fact that she played so many roles in her own young work and family life. It's truly just incredible to me. Now, there are two... 
I, I haven't done as much research as I say I should either, but I did find two cases actually where she did support um, black people. There was one case called Shelby Counter versus Holder in which Ginsburg wrote abiding dissent in a decision that counties with a legacy of discriminatory voting practices no longer had to get special permission to change their voting rules. Um, hmm. So that kind of displays that she did understand that racism was a systematic problem in our country. Um, and then there's another case called Reed versus Reed, where she credited a black queer civil rights attorney. And I'm looking up the details right now. Um, let me just read this quick short thing. The Idaho probate code specified that males must be preferred to females in appointing administrators of the states. After the death of her adopted son, both uh, Sally and Cecile Reed sought to be named the administrator of their son's estate. The Reeds were separated at the time. According to the probate code, Cecile was appointed administrator and Sally challenged the law in court. So um, I believe that she voted in their favor during that time. But then it is also said in my research that she tended to make these decisions when the um, jury was, or the verdict was also almost unanimous. So there is oh. some question, um, mm. but just by these two cases alone, and by my also deep love for RBG and respect for her, I would also like to think that um, she, that she was a, good ally, ally for the black community when it counted, if that makes sense. I hope so I too. But it's, you know, we like could Liz go, said, yeah. Well, Liz, we you said that you, you donate something. money. Liz, yeah, you said you I donate mean, money and you use your Facebook wall. You, when you show yeah. up, you show up how you can. Maybe in that way, that's her showing up. And that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that we like start like sing, like carving out Christian hymnals to, to, to start <laughs> writing songs about RBG. Um, but like we can acknowledge the, the work that she did do for us. And at the very least, we should be able to acknowledge that at least she wasn't an opponent for people of color. Yes. And how about, yeah. And I right. mean, that says, I don't know, that says a lot for the current president because he's, he can't even be neutral. He He's just against. And that's my point. Exactly. When the enemy shows you who they are, yeah, you know I'm saying accept them at their word. <laughs> yeah, you know that's the thing that I think scares me the most with this election season, and well, even faster than the election season is the fact that probably tomorrow or Saturday he will announce who his picks are for for the the third seat, or this would be his third. You know, I just it's scary. It's it's not. Because- and it brings us back to like, who are these women? Well, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they are aligned with him. And it's not just a man that they're supporting, it's his ideas. And so right, if, exactly. if Trump gets this third person in, and okay, great, maybe it's a woman. If he gets this third person in before he's out, we're gonna have a solid conservative majority 
in the Supreme Court. And while, you know, we're, I can't predict the future, we can't yeah. say what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. This could kill Obamacare. Mm-hmm. It could undo abortion rights. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's going to go against every liberal policy for decades. And so, like, I think we were right. I think it was almost three decades that RGB was on the Supreme Court. I think it was like yeah. 24 years, 25 yeah. or six years. She secured women's rights. Yeah. Like, there was, there were. Sh- stupid things that that we think are stupid now but at the get in credit cards you know credit getting a credit card that's crazy right do you know how many credit cards i have mm-hmm. like we well, couldn't have a credit card um you couldn't have financial independence you couldn't have equal rights do you know that there were women in the south who literally were being fired for being pregnant mm-hmm, mm-hmm, being mm-hmm. fired for being pregnant mm-hmm. um so there were like so there were so many things that we're taking for granted because we're used to them. Right. But the reality is, is it really wasn't that long ago right. that yep. women couldn't do this. Right. Mm-hmm. And so her legacy is mostly women's rights. I mean, she wasn't all, she wasn't just looking at everything that came across her desk was only women's rights, only women's rights, only women's mm-hmm. rights. Majority of the stuff that she stood for was women's rights. And so yeah. her legacy is the fact that I I bought our first house. We're mm-hmm. in our second house. But let me tell you, that first house was me. That was oh, my girl. hard work. That was my credit, right? Girl. Yes, it was. That's what I'm saying. But that's her Poor legacy. Feet. She, <laughs> he knows I love him. It's okay. Um, <laughs> and listen, this one's his. This house is his. Um, but like, her legacy is women's rights. Trump's legacy, hatred, divisiveness. Exactly. That is going to be in our country. Exactly. That's a, this PG-13, that's a shit stain we're not getting out for, like, eons, okay? And Forever. That's what we really have to be scared of. And it's not just a Supreme Court justice. It's everything he's done is gonna stay, because he woke up some really scummy people. Um... And so that's why I think RGB is a really good icon. She wasn't a saint. Um, No one is, really. Um, No one's perfect. But I think that she represents somebody in the political world that, um, that we should strive for other people to show up as. Yes, because we are not going to see it for a really long time. And I just hope like having a kid that we're not going to lose anything because of where we are right now. And I'm really scared Mm -hmm. for the next under 40 days. I am like so scared for what's coming. Um, I think that's important. yeah. Yeah. No, sorry. I think that's an important point to make, like, um, particularly what you said about abortion rights. So that's something I feel like people don't realize, particularly people who are pro-life, 
the fact mm-hmm. that if they roll back Roe versus Wade, it's not just your right to get an abortion. It's your mm-hmm. reproductive rights as a woman yep. and the freedom to do with your body what you want. So sure, they can say that you can't have a, an abortion. They could also go the other way um, and saying that you have to get an abortion if, for whatever reason they wanted to do population right. control. So yep. I think that's a point that a lot of people who support cutting abortions or who are pro-life um, that they don't understand that this is really not about some crazy liberal policy. It is about fundamental human rights. Yep. Yep. I mean, exactly. they're really not pro-life though. They're really, they're just really pro um, hardships on other people. And that's what it really comes down to because yeah. they don't step up for these situations. For any time that I've seen, uh, in, like your Breonna Taylors or your uh, George Floyd, mm. they never seem to show up unless it's to say all lives matter, or something along that line. These are those. These are those people. These are those types. And I've noticed it for a while, um, but I also recognize that, um, like as you're saying, Liz, and as you and as you said, Marie, that us showing up now is more important than ever us being the people that we're waiting for or that we were waiting for is uh is now important uh, pretty much more than ever i've mm-hmm. never seen myself being somebody that literally would be encouraging people to vote as of, <laughs> as of right now i think liz when you first met me i was super anti-capitalism and oh yeah like, pretty much ready trying to get people to come with me to, let's, let's go to the woods and develop our own culture and society <laughs> Well, I didn't vote. I never voted until 2016. I voted for Hillary. And I, I didn't vote for her because I loved her. Thanks. I, I hated Trump. <laughs> um, I didn't vote for Obama. I worship that man. He can be a saint in my world. I'm fine with that. I love that man. I love everything about that man. I love everything about Michelle. Oh my God! The whole the girls. I mm, did you read about I'm a big something? On the audiobook. Also, yeah, me Michelle's, Michelle's got a podcast. I don't know yes, if I know. know. I need to listen. I have there was not yet. enough yeah, hype about the podcast. Yeah, I recognize my competition. <laughs> <laughs> but her but audiobook, like, because she narrated it, it was amazing. Changed my well, life. Just saying. Continue. I love her and I love him and I miss them every day of my life but I'm ashamed I didn't vote for him and it wasn't because I was like oh, I don't know if I want Obama I I didn't care I didn't care because I was coming out of college and I, my parents paid for my apartment coming out of college and I had a car paid for and I had grad school paid for and I knew I'd get a job right away. And I had zero worries in my life. I was moving out of my hometown for the first time. I had zero concerns. And so I was like, I'm not going to vote because I don't really feel the need to. And looking back, I would love to be that naive again. I would really 
love that because it would be so nice to not wake up at two o'clock in the morning and think to myself, like, Mike, I don't know, you and I have really not talked much during this pandemic because it has been insanity. But Mike, like, when George Floyd was shot, I there are nights, bro, that I have, I could cry right now, but literally nights where I'm like, I need him, I need you to be okay. Like, I am so scared for you. Not that I don't want to, I'm never going to tell you to stay home and not protest because I love that you protest and I'm so fiercely proud of you. But there have been nights that I have been so scared that we're going to lose you and not even like at a protest, but just literally like walking down a street in broad daylight, you're going to be in the wrong spot, the wrong time. I'm terrified every day. And I just wish I could be as naive as I was when Obama was elected. So now that I know better and I mean, come on, Michelle Obama, when we know better, we do better. I just can't, I I'm so frustrated with people who are not, speaking up so touche you know like it's uh well, i don't know that's been well said but um i'm looking at the time and i want oh, to be respectful of everybody's time <laughs> we've been talking so liz liz that, that was a, that was such a beautiful way to end it though and uh, i appreciate that um and like i said man my homie last night told me that it's all right that I'm protesting, but it's more important that we have a follow-up plan after that. We need a step two, mm. and it needs to be an action plan. And, uh, like, um, I've been, like, really rattling that around in my brain, and I'm actually, like, you know, it, it's important that people do do that. It's important that people are making moves in tandem. Like you said, Liz, right. the way you showed up is beautiful, but there's got to be more Liz's. Like, um, yeah. you know. Um, there's got to be more me and Jamal's. There's got to be more me. Um, like, well, uh, you know what it is, Mike? We can't mm -hmm. stop. You can't right. stop. I can't stop. You can't stop. Marie, you can't stop. Like, it doesn't end on November third or fourth or what? Like, let's say, yeah. let's say he's out. Let's say Biden's in. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. We're gonna go back a little bit. Like, I don't love Biden. Yeah. I will say, I will say that I loved Biden with Obama. The the bromance was a adorable um but i don't love him but like i would love to go back a couple years and just kind of erase everything but it's not going to get erased right. and we can't stop so right. let's just you know like let's take a little nap after yeah. november 3rd <laughs> if you know if we get rid of trump like let's all take a nice big nap but let's like still hit the hit the streets i'll hit the pa the the facebook pavement because that's what i'm doing but Mike, like you said, like you can't stop because that's we've got a lot of erasing to do, right. and it's not going to even be erased. We just have to, no. we have to, we have to just keep going and, and keep bringing awareness to all of this. Okay. So that point, Liz, you know the way you feel about how you can't go back to not voting and how you want to be that naive again is kind of the way I felt about protesting. I was thinking about mm -hmm. it because i used to be nothing like well i'm not nothing but like you know i i didn't mind my my gamer ways i was a nice couch potato <laughs> and i was happy in my bubble but you know i think for when brianna taylor was killed to me yeah. it kind of recognized it kind of registered to me that i can't even chill in my own house without worried about getting taken out by a hell of bullets yeah. so that thought yeah. process alone was what told me like you can't chill like yeah. no. how dare, like you gotta you gotta move like get up
And yeah. it's, but, and it goes to, it's, well, especially people of color, women too. I mean, I used to think I was real, I was fine. I was going to be all right. Uh, you know, like nobody's really safe once you wake up all these crazy people. Right. And um, you're thinking about your daughter. I'm thinking about my daughter. Mm-hmm. What is her future going to look like? What kind of rights is she going to have as a woman and a half black woman? Oh, God. Uh, I mean, we have a lot to worry about, guys, on all sides of every different walk of life. And I think the biggest thing we can take from all of this is that we're sitting here when we could just be playing video games, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) And we're talking like, you know, that's what we're doing right now. And, And other people aren't. And we are. And we just have to keep doing it so that we hopefully get more people talking and you know yeah we can only hope that it's up from here because we've hit some rock bottom (laughs) (laughs) so this is all thank you guys thank you for having me on here i hope you come back oh you're wonderful please come back anytime i I got lots to say (laughs) yeah like i i kind of would love to have your perspective every once in a while as uh, as these oh, different yeah. events are furl and stuff, and it'd be a great excuse for us to get uh to chat and for me to see my niece and all that other wonderful jazz. <laughs> of course, <laughs> I was I was pretty tame tonight, but I'm about to go off on my Facebook about Brianna Taylor because there's some people that need an education. So I'm about maybe to go we'll into do another a... recording oh. <laughs> about well. Brianna Taylor. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm gonna step off because I'm a little heated about her right now. So I'll tune I mean, in for you, that if you could. If you could give us like a quick 15 second, 30 seconds about what you really kind of want to say about that, we could probably chop that clip up and put that on another like advertising. advertising Let's hear it. This is what I will say. This is what I will say because literally woke up this morning and I'm looking at, I'm like reading my Facebook right now. I said, One of the things that really baffles me is how so many of you still don't do your research. I am baffled by how anyone in 2020 can read something from anywhere. I don't care if it's Fox. I don't care if it's CNN. I don't care if it's AP. I don't care if it's the the most neutral news source there is no side totally valuable reliable piece of of data and news reporting i don't care what it is if you don't then go and fact check four other sources and do the work do the work because here's what i thought i thought brianna taylor was shot dead in her bed I thought that they had the wrong apartment, that they had no business being there because that was a piece of news that I had heard a couple months ago. Then I heard she was a drug dealer and I'm like, oh, come on. What the hell else am I going to hear about poor Breonna Taylor? So I'm sitting there thinking, oh, she was a drug dealer. Please. I'm going to kill that in five seconds. I maybe spent an hour and a half 
combing through four reliable news sources. Then I sat my ass down and I watched the Brianna documentary on Hulu. And I took it all, all the sources, the documentary and the four articles I read, and I found the facts and I fact checked. And I feel like I have a very good understanding of what happened as much as I can with the evidence that is out there. And what I can't stand is two things. One, when you don't do the work. And two, when you want me to do the work for you. Oh. I can't deal with it. Because I work hard for the money that I make and the hour and a half that I spent today was money out of my pocket because I wasn't working for my clients, but I showed up. I showed up and I did it because I freaking care about Brianna Taylor and everybody I know and love that looks like her and the people I don't know and love that look like her. And I cannot handle one more person on my Facebook right now who's spouting this crap about how she was a drug dealer. Do the work. Do the work. I, uh, you can't, especially if there's anything we learned in this four years of this presidency, you cannot trust one news article. You have to do the work. So that's my Brianna and my take on the beautiful spirit taken out of this world in a terrible murder, just like George, just like Trayvon, just like Sandra. I mean... Philando, which I still have chills over Philando because of just everything that that baby in that car. I mm. so that do the work, just do the work. We're doing the work right now. We're doing the work right now. And if you don't do the work, then you have no business talking about it. Ladies and gentlemen, I like to thank Elizabeth <laughs> August. I told like Brianna's got, got me fired up tonight. All right. I but like this was a really great August. conversation about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and thank you for having me on your podcast. <laughs> I'd like to thank Elizabeth August for joining us tonight on Social Justice, the New American Revolution. Um, thanks again, Liz. Uh, I really do hope to hear from you again. Thank you so much, Marie. Uh, it was a, I, I, I'm just happy that you were on. I also wanted to pick your brain as well, my friend. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, please look for us on Friday. Uh, that's when you'll be able to, oh, excuse me, Saturday morning. That's when you'll be able to hear this, uh, this recording. And uh, everyone, have a good night. Thank you, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to Social Justice, the New American Revolution. Make sure you tune in tomorrow for the latest episode. And if you want to be heard, email us at the Podcast at gmail.com.